Day four, God created the sun and the moon and the stars. Please open your Bibles to Genesis chapter one, Genesis chapter one, verse 14. We'll pick up there again. Day four, part two. Begin reading with me in verse 14. Then God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and seasons and for days and years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth. And it was so. Then God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. God set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. So the evening and the morning were the fourth day. Day four, God created the sun and the moon and the stars also. Last week, we looked at the lights and the firmament of the heavens, and we dealt with the issue of the firmament and ultimately concluded that the Word of God really is clear that this is not a firm dome, that that was a false cosmology of the ancient Greeks that the ancient translators brought into the Latin Vulgate and thus uh, the cosmology of their day was used to interpret Scripture just as in our day many want to use the cosmology that we know as Big Bang cosmology to interpret Scripture. And so we want to reject the world's cosmology and simply receive the cosmology of Scripture. And rightly understood, the lights in the firmament of the heavens are are the lights in the sky, or the skies, or the heavens themselves. Space, quite literally. And again, Genesis 1-8 helps us understand that God called the firmament heaven. The firmament heaven. You'll find in the NAS, the ESV, that it's sky, skies, atmosphere, and so forth. That is a good translation. The New King James is an excellent translation, but the original King James translated it firmament, carrying over that Greek cosmology that had infected, that had been brought into the Latin Vulgate. And so lights in the firmament of the heavens or lights in the sky or in space, quite literally. Secondly, to rule the day and the night and for signs and seasons. God set these lights in the sky for a reason. It wasn't arbitrary. It wasn't without purpose. It was for a reason, an express purpose to rule the day, to rule the night and for signs and seasons. We found in Psalm 8, verse 3, it says, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have ordained. God didn't just create them. He ordained them. He set them in place. He set them in orbit. He set them spinning. He designed them perfectly and placed them perfectly according to His design and His laws for our blessing that they might rule the day and rule the night and be for signs and for seasons. We find the greater light, the sun, the sun around which 
our planet and the planets of our solar system traverse. We find it created by the mighty hand of God, a star amongst a multitude of stars, but a perfect star for our solar system, a perfect star for our earth, and set in perfect, and I mean perfect, relationship with our planet in order that there might be life on this earth. In Psalm 74, verse 16, it says, The day is yours, the night also is yours, and you have prepared the light and the sun. You prepared the light and the sun. You recall that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and He said, Let there be light. And there was light. God doesn't need a sun or a star or a moon to reflect light. God Himself is light, and He created light without any means. And yet in time, on day four, He created these perpetual sources of light until He should uncreate them according to His time frame and then recreate the heavens and the earth at the end of the age. And so He created the light. You have prepared the light and the sun. God is the creator of light. He Himself is light. When Jesus came into the world in John's Gospel, He is said to be the light of the world. It also says that He is the Word, and the Word is with God, and the Word was God, and He created all things, and without Him nothing was made that was made. And so this Jesus, who is the light of the world, is the one who said, let there be light. And He's the one who said, let there be a sun. He decreed it, and it was. He's the one who said, let there be stars. He decreed it, and they were. Divine fiat. And so as you consider this cosmos, and all the material universe in it and life on this planet, know that while there are many things we can look to and see how God created them and the laws that they follow and function according to, and yet when God created, He didn't create according to the laws of the universe. The laws of the universe didn't exist before He created them. And so when you try to consider certain Portions of God's creation know that He spoke and it was. We're not going to comprehend how that was done scientifically. There's no scientific test to say how did God speak the sun, the moon, the stars, the planets into existence. The how of it is omnipotence and omniscience. That's how. He is all-powerful. He is all-wise. He decreed it and it was. The God who is eternal, the God who is in the beginning God, already existent, eternally existent, alpha to omega, beginning to end, everlasting to everlasting, the God who is eternal created this temporal universe and the glory of life in it and mankind at the pinnacle of that glory created in the image of God. And so we have the lights and the firmament of the heavens. We have these lights to rule the day and rule the night over signs and seasons. We have the sun, the greater light. And then the moon we saw also last week. The moon, this lesser light to rule the night. In Psalm 104, again, I remind you, says, He appointed the moon for seasons and the sun to know it's going down. If you weren't here last week, you didn't hear about all the the wonders of 
the relationship of the moon with this earth. So our planet is in perfect relationship with the sun in order for life to prosper and flourish on this planet. And our planet is in perfect relationship with this moon, this colossal body we call the moon that's about one-fourth the size of planet earth and yet it's positioned perfectly in order to set our months in order to set our seasons in order to not destroy life dragging a great tidal wave around the planet every day (laughs) but in order to make life prosper on this planet so the sun and the moon and the stars that's where we are now let us read again in genesis 1 verse 16, then God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. The stars are an afterthought in the creative week. The stars are a by the way in the creative week. The stars are a casual mention on day four. There is an error that some historically ascribe to, not because of the biblical worldview. The biblical cosmology would not have you hold to a geocentric worldview, meaning that the sun and the moon and the stars rotate around the earth. They would not support that. And yet, theologically speaking, the sun and the moon and the stars and everything else rotates around the earth. (laughs) The planet Earth is the planet God designed to enter into His creation and walk upon that He might suffer and die in the person of God the Son, Jesus Christ, upon a tree that He created for that purpose. And so the stars also, saints. The secular world looks out upon the stars and they get caught up in the grandeur of the starry night, and they they wonder about the galaxies behind the galaxies, behind the galaxies, behind the galaxies, behind the galaxies, billions of light years away. And the stars in those galaxies, billions upon billions upon billions of stars, and no doubt, or it would seem to their minds, planets, it would seem to their minds. Planets that are habitable, it would seem to their minds. Planets that life spontaneously popped into existence upon, as by their estimation, they have a cosmos that popped into existence from nothing. They have life that pops into existence from nothing. And so they surmise that in those distant galaxies... Around those distant stars, there are planets on which life dwells. And even it would be reasonable with billions and billions and billions of years, it would be reasonable to assume that there is intelligent life. And thus, they're searching for intelligent life amongst the stars. And what they should see, if they would exercise their God-given intelligence if they would not suppress the truth in unrighteousness with their God-given intelligence, what they should see is the intelligence of their Creator. Everywhere evident. Amongst the stars, right here in our solar system, in its unique and particular 
exact design and on this planet and the wonders of life and all of its array. So it's phenomenal that in the biblical text that it simply says, and the stars also. For me, it is much like, and they crucified him. If I was writing this book as a man, I would go on and on and on about the stars. But God's not all about the stars. He's all about this planet and mankind on it and glorifying himself in redemption on this stage that he has set for that drama to play out. And the stars are the backdrop. They're a backdrop in comparison to this planet and the trees and the people walking amongst them and the only perfect man to ever walk amongst them who would be crucified on a tree. And so it's just the stars also. If I was to elaborate on the crucifixion, I would add some some lights and some bedazzling to it. I would pump it up as Hollywood is apt to pump it up as they did in the Passion of the Christ. They pumped it up with Catholic mysticism. They pumped it up with with Mary's seeming omniscience of her son down below and the Shroud of Turin being justified as they come with a cloth and have uh, Jim Caviezel, not Jesus, Jim Caviezel put his face in the cloth. They pumped it up with this strange Lucifer and and these demon kids and and Jesus the yo-yo falling off a bridge in chains and all this mysticism and extra-biblical nonsense being put into the story where they could have just told the biblical story in its full glory. We think we must pump it up. Kind of like Hollywood pumped up Noah and the flood beyond recognition. And what a shame upon the actors who acted in it. The account of Noah and the flood is wonderful. It's an adventure. It's grand. It's, it's awesome to behold. And yet they think they have to add rock giants to it and change the whole theme. Instead of saving humanity through this vessel of grace, we're saving animals from humanity. And so man would tweak the Word of God. Man would try to add grandeur and and not receive the simple testimony of what God has done, whether it's His creative act, whether it's His destructive act in the worldwide flood, or whether it's His redemptive act. We always want to bedazzle it. Pump it up. But God just states it plainly, factually, magnificently. There is glory there in all of it. But it reads as a historical account. And God stresses what he would stress, not what we would stress. And so the stars also, saints, it's a by the way. It's an aside. You know, you've got your steak, you've got your potatoes, and there's a little sour cream in a dish over here. That's the stars. (laughs) It's a side dish. The stars also... But let's serve up the side dish. Let's serve it up properly. We don't want to uh, miss the glory of God's creative act there. There are about 3,500 to 4,500 stars visible to the naked eye in a clear moonless night. About 
100,000 stars can be seen using a small telescope. That's pretty amazing. You can actually, with a small telescope, see galaxies. Now, they look like maybe a little ring out there, a little smoke ring, a little puff in the sky. But you can see a galaxy with a small telescope. That's phenomenal. There are an estimated 100 billion stars in our own Milky Way galaxy. But wait, some say 200, some say 300, some say maybe 400 billion stars in our own galaxy. Now, what does that tell you about what we know about the cosmos and the galaxies in it? When we can't determine with some, you know, fair degree of accuracy how many hundreds of billions of stars there are in our own galaxy... What do we really know about the other galaxies or the cosmos as a whole? What do we know? Meaning factually, actually, certainly know. And the answer is very little. As you begin to read books, as you begin to read articles on the cosmos, on stars, on galaxies, what you find is a lot of disagreement. You find a lot of conjecture. And when you find dogmatic statements, you'll soon find that they've been undone. They've been reversed. Because with all of our intellectual powers and all of our technological powers, we fall oh so short of being able to comprehend what you would think would be the simplicity of some burning balls of gas in the sky. But the honest men will tell you that we don't even really know how those burning balls of gas got started. We don't actually have a good working model of how the stars were even created. Because for gas to gather together is contrary to observable science. If gas is out there in the vacuum of space, it should disperse, not gather together and become stars. Now they have theories, but their theories all have mathematical problems. They all bump into problems, which is why the honest scientist will say we're not really truly certain. We thought maybe stars began like this, but no, that doesn't work because of this. So maybe they began like... No, that doesn't work either because of that. And that's pretty much where we are with stars. And then you go to galaxies. We can't even figure out how many stars are in our galaxy, in our neighborhood. It's like counting the houses in your neighborhood, right? Can't do it. 100,000, excuse me, 100 million. No, no, 100 billion. You know what else is funny? You think, oh, the pastor's making mistakes. Yeah, just like all those articles and books. The numbers are so colossal. They're so huge that they slip up all the time. And they'll say 100 million when they mean 100 billion. Or oops, I meant 2 trillion. They slip up all the time because the numbers are so fanciful and because they're not so factual. They interchange them in and out and they have to rewrite the article and tell you, oh, there was a mistake there. And some of our readers let us know. So we changed that 100 million to 100 billion because oops, what's a billion give or take? Or 100 billion give or take. There are an estimated 100 billion stars, or 400 billion, or 200 or 300, depending on who you're talking to, in our galaxy. A typical galaxy may contain anywhere between about 10 million and 1 trillion stars. A trillion. Trillion. How many stars are there 
in the entire cosmos. Google that sometime, I dare you. And then begin to read the articles. All sorts of conjecture, all sorts of disagreement. And you'll have radical changes you know, from 2008 to 2016 to 2020. Radical changes in less than a decade. And how radical? Well, we'll get to that. How radical? Wonderfully radical. It's fun, I tell you. An article from NASA.gov. Now, if anyone knows space, it should be NASA.gov, right? NASA, they know space. They're the experts. So an article from NASA.gov dated October 13, 2016, is titled, quote, Hubble Reveals Observable Universe contains, ready for this, 10 times more galaxies than previously thought. 10 times. That's not a wee error. That shows you how humble we should be as scientists making fictional statements as if they're factual statements. The Hubble telescope reveals observable universe contains 10 times more galaxies than previously thought. The article goes on to say, the universe suddenly looks a lot more crowded. Thanks to a deep sky census assembled from surveys taken by NASA's Hubble Space Telescope and other observatories. Astronomers came to the surprising conclusion that there are at least 10 times more galaxies in the observable universe than previously thought. In analyzing the data, a team led by Christopher Consolis of the University of Nottingham, UK, found that 10 times as many galaxies were packed into a given volume of space in the early universe than found today. Most of these galaxies were relatively small and faint, with masses similar to those of the satellite galaxies surrounding the Milky Way. As they merged to form larger galaxies, the population density of galaxies in space dwindled. This means that galaxies are not evenly distributed throughout the universe's history. The research team reports in a paper to be published in the Astrophysical Journal. One of the most fundamental questions in astronomy is that of just how many galaxies the universe contains. The landmark Hubble Deep Field, taken in the mid-1990s, gave the first real insight into the universe's galaxy population. Subsequent sensitive observations, such as Hubble's ultra-deep field, revealed a myriad of faint galaxies. This led to an estimate that the observable universe contained about 200 billion galaxies. That's a big number. So 200 billion galaxies with how many stars each? Ooh, we'll get there. The new research shows that this estimate is at least, at least 10 times too low. So 10 times takes us to 2 trillion. 2 trillion. So from 200 billion to 2 trillion galaxies. That's a minor error. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Minor error. Uh, 2 trillion. So 2 trillion galaxies made up, they estimate, of 100 to 400 billion stars each. Again, when they try to estimate the average galaxy, it's a vast estimation. There could be, on average, 100 billion stars in the average galaxy or 400 billion stars in the average galaxy. So it's somewhere in between there. So 2 trillion galaxies made up of 100 to 400 billion stars each. And oh yeah, he made the stars also. He made the stars also. Got a little side dish of sour cream here if you'd like it with your steak and potato. It's an aside. 
He made the stars also. Two trillion galaxies made up of 100 to 400 billion stars. But what do those numbers mean? What do those numbers mean? They're so big, like I say, these guys get to playing with them and they, they lose track of them. So let's put 200 trillion galaxies of approximately 300 billion stars into perspective because a lot of the folks grab on to 300 billion. Those are huge numbers. Let's try to wrap our minds around them. One million seconds is about 11.5 days. A million seconds, 11.5 days. A billion seconds is 32 years. A billion seconds, 32 years. And there, there may be 400 billion. One billion seconds, 32 years. There may be 400 billion stars just in our galaxy. A trillion seconds is 32,000 years. So... Two trillion galaxies would be like 64,000 years worth of galaxies in seconds, if you're following me. Trying to make it an approachable number for you. Maybe this will make it more approachable. How long does it take to count to a trillion? The average person can count to 100 in about 25 seconds. How long does it take to count to 1,000? Well, 10 times 25 then double that because it takes longer to say 100, etc. You know, the words are longer. So that's about 10 minutes to count to 1,000. To count to 1,000, 10 minutes. How about 10,000? Well, you multiply that 1,000 by 10 and you get 100 minutes. And ultimately, uh, you add a little extra for the longer numbers and you end up at about two hours, give or take. So to count to 10,000, to count to 10,000 takes about two hours. How about 100,000? To count to 100,000, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, it would take you two days just to count to 100,000. Now from there, it just gets ridiculous. Mr. Beast on YouTube, you could look him up. I haven't looked him up, so be careful. I don't know what he's wearing. Mr. Beast on YouTube counted to 100,000 in 40 hours straight. So it was like a marathon. 100,000, 40 hours straight. But he's a beast, right? He's a beast. He's not the average person. But that gives you an idea of of how big the number 100,000 is. How long would it take to count to a million? To count to a million, it's going to take at least a month to count to a million. Back in 2007, Jeremy Harper counted to a million in 89 days and 16 hours for a charity fundraiser. He counted to a million. That would get tedious. 89 days, 16 hours, just to count to a million. A million. Now, a million's nothing when you're talking trillion. So, assuming your voice is still strong, right? You're still ready to go after a million after your 89 days. You're still ready to go on. You want to get to 10 million? Now you're talking about a year, a full year. How about a hundred million? At least 10 years if you have a voice left. 10 years to count to a hundred million. How about a billion? A billion. How long would it take you to count to a billion? Over 100 years. Meaning perhaps the Tuskegee pilot just honored by our president at the State of the Union, who's 103 years old. If he had started when he was three, maybe he could have counted to a billion, but he would never have been a pilot. He would have been busy. Let's go a little bigger. 
There are 1,000 billion. So it takes 100 years or more to count to a billion. There are 1,000 billions in a trillion. 1,000 billions in a trillion. So if we multiply the 100 years it takes to count to a billion by 1,000, we find that it would take 100,000 years for the average person to count to a trillion. And there are an estimated 2 trillion galaxies. It would take you 100,000 years to count those 2 trillion galaxies. But wait, there may be more, right? There may be more. Some scientists estimate there are likely up to 10 trillion, 10 trillion galaxies. I'm not going to do that math. Astronomer David Kornreek uses a rough estimate of 10 trillion. He's one of those scientists. 10 trillion galaxies in the universe. Multiplying that by the Milky Way's estimated, he holds to 100 billion stars in the Milky Way. So he takes the low count, the lowest count that anyone estimates in the Milky Way. So multiplying his 10 trillion, the high number he takes for the galaxies, by the lowest that anyone takes for the number of stars in the Milky Way, the 100 billion, that results in a big old number. I wish I could show you. Um, it's a one with 24 zeros after it. And it's known. Does anyone know what a one with 24 zeros after it is called? Any mathematicians? It's called a septillion. Septillion. So he comes up with one septillion, by the American numbering system, one septillion stars. Kornrick emphasized that the number is likely a gross underestimation. And again, to put the septillion into perspective, a thousand has, what, three zeros, ten thousand, four zeros, a million, six zeros, a trillion has twelve zeros, Septillion, 24 zeros after it, saints. Since some scientists like David Kornreich estimate that there are more than, more than a septillion stars in the universe, we've got to ask ourselves, don't we? How long would it take to count a septillion stars? Well, you do the math and get back to me. Because <laughs> I didn't do it. How long would it take to count a septillion stars? If a trillion takes a hundred thousand years, a trillion galaxies, now we're, we've got a septillion stars in those trillion galaxies. Oh, me, oh, my. And saints, the Lord didn't just count them. After he created them, he named them. Each and every one of them. He named them. You know, some of you parents are pretty creative. You know, I sometimes have a hard time keeping up with all names. But imagine trying to come up with a septillion names for stars. He created them. He named them. That is our God. All-powerful. All-wise. And he made the stars also. But it's not about the stars. It is about this planet and humanity on it and Jesus Christ coming in the likeness of men to magnify the glory of God in redeeming men unto himself. That's our God. And his glory and his creative act. And like the scientists say, we're probably still counting far too small. <laughs>
it's probably much, much bigger yet. He made the stars also. So we got the sun, we got the moon, we got the stars on the fourth day, and we're at 1120. We got a little more time. Creation order. Creation order. Have you thought about that? We got the sun and the moon and the stars on day four. Day four. Have you thought about the problems with that according to Big Bang cosmology and evolution in a naturalistic, materialistic cosmos and worldview? That's a problem, having the sun and moon and the stars on day four. In the old earth creationist worldview, that's a problem, having the sun and the moon and the stars on day four. Dr. Terry Mortensen wrote this article in 2006, Evolution versus Creation, The Order of Events Matters. The order of events of creation recorded in Genesis 1 contradicts at very many points the order of events according to the evolution story. Many Christians think that if we just take each of the days of creation as being figurative of long ages, hundreds of millions of years or more, we can harmonize the Bible with the Big Bang and the geological evidence for a very old earth. But this only seems reasonable to those who pay insufficient attention to the order of events according to Genesis chapter 1 and the events according to evolution theory. And I fully believe that God created in such a way as to defy our Big Bang cosmology and every other anti-God cosmology and in order to defy our evolutionary theory, our theory of life without God the Creator. We find as we compare and contrast that evolution says, of course, the sun came before the earth. Genesis says the earth came before the sun. Evolution says the dry land came before the sea. And Genesis says sea came before dry land. Evolution says atmosphere came before the sea. And Genesis says the sea came before the atmosphere. Evolution says the sun came before the light on earth. And Genesis says light came on earth before the sun. Evolution says stars came before the earth. And Genesis says the earth came or rather was created before the stars. Evolution says the earth was fashioned through natural processes at the same time as the other planets. And Genesis says the earth was created before the other planets. Evolution says that sea creatures were created before land plants. And Genesis says land plants were created before sea creatures. Evolution says earthworms were created before starfish. And Genesis says starfish were created before earthworms. Evolution says land animals were created before trees. And Genesis says trees were created before land animals. Evolution says death came before mankind. And Genesis says mankind came before death. And from mankind, death came. Evolution says thorns and thistles came before man. And Genesis says man came before thorns and thistles. Evolution says, note this one with current news of viruses and plagues in the earth, that TB, tuberculosis, pathogens, and cancer came before man. Dinosaurs had them all. We've seen the evidence. And Genesis says man came before tuberculosis, pathogens, and cancer. Evolution says reptiles came before birds. And Genesis says birds came before reptiles. Evolution says land mammals 
came before whales, and Genesis says whales came before land animals. How contrary could this be? Evolution says simple plants came before fruit trees, and Genesis says fruit trees came before other plants. Remember Darwin's mystery, that great abominable mystery called flowers? Because they, in vast numbers and in vast array, just sprang forth in the geological table. It's because God created them all at the same time. Evolution says insects came before mammals, and Genesis says mammals came before creeping things. Evolution says land mammals came before bats, and Genesis says bats came before land animals. Evolution says dinosaurs came before birds, and Genesis said birds came before dinosaurs. Evolution says insects came before flowering plants, and Genesis says flowering plants before insects. Evolution says the sun came before plants, and Genesis says plants came before the sun. Evolution says dinosaurs came before dolphins, and Genesis says dolphins came before dinosaurs. Evolution says land insects came before flying insects, and Genesis says flying insects came before land insects. And so according to our evolutionist friends, our Big Bang cosmology friends, our atheist friends, there was this Big Bang. Remember that speck? Horton heard of who? That little speck? That speck that was uncreated, just you know, it was existing there of its own accord. That speck went bang 15 billion years ago, give or take. And uh, we have these stars, including our sun, that were fashioned accordingly. And then 4.5, 4.6 billion years ago, this molten earth came together around our sun. And then the oceans formed 3.8 billion years ago, give or take. And then dry land and life came shortly thereafter through complete accident and chance. And here you and I are sitting here, conscious space dust, considering these things. That's the atheistic, naturalistic, materialistic, Big Bang worldview. The Word of God says, day one and two, God created the heavens and the earth. Day three, dry land and plants. Day four, sun and moon and stars. Day five, sea and flying creatures. And oddly enough, some flying sea creatures. Huh? You ever see that? It's pretty, pretty awesome. And then land animals and man on day six and the seventh day God rested. And so there is a vast and deliberate difference between the creation order and the naturalistic, materialistic order of events according to our atheistic friends. I fully, fully believe God and His wisdom set it up in such a way, just like He did day one, day and night, day two, sky and water, day three, morning and evening, day one, morning and evening, day two. He set up the Scriptures in such a way as to only be understood as six literal days of creation. At every turn, Genesis 1 is carefully and particularly crafted to defy our rejection of our Creator, which is why Romans 1 says we, in our folly, in our foolishness, in our sin, in our unrighteousness, in our ungodliness, suppress the truth that is self-evident everywhere that we know from creation. We suppress it in unrighteousness. It's everywhere evident, but we actively and willfully work hard to suppress 
the truth of our Creator. Now we could go on and on about stars from the perspective of science, but I want to unwrap some more Scripture. If we have some more time, perhaps we'll come back to some of that. But the stars also, that's what Genesis 1.16 says, the stars also. I want to look a little further and see what the rest of God's Word says about this. In Psalm 148, if you'll look there with me, Psalm 148, what does it have to say about the stars also? Psalm 148, verse 1, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him in the heights. Praise Him, all His angels. Praise Him, all His hosts. Praise Him, sun and moon and stars. Praise Him, all you stars of light. Praise Him, you heavens of heavens, all you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for He commanded, and they were created. He commanded, and they were created. Remember the Lord Jesus as the crowds were crying out, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. And some protested, it seems. He says, if they don't cry out, even the rocks would cry out. And indeed, they do cry out in one sense, the glories of God. They cry out day and night. Remember Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament shows His handiwork. Day unto day utter speech, night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. All of God's creation is declaring His glory, His power, His wisdom all the time. And while Genesis 1.16 mentions the stars so casually, the stars also. Because it's not all about those stars. And there aren't an infinite number of evolved species out there to be found. There is intelligent life, or should I say semi-intelligent life, because sin makes us foolish, here on earth and here alone, created in the image of God with an eternal soul. And it's here alone that Christ, the creator of the sun and the moon and the stars, it's here alone that Christ entered into His creation and walked amongst sinners, that he might redeem them. The psalmist says, praise the Lord. As you look out upon all of his creation, you should be compelled to praise the Lord. And the psalmist even calls for all of creation to praise the Lord. Praise him, sun. Praise him, moon. Praise him, all you stars of light. And then verse 5, let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. He spoke, he decreed, And it was done. And while, saints, we may find, we may find a scientific explanation of how God created stars. We may find. There may be one available. But what we may find is that it was just the creative act of God. It was just the power of God. That it's not actually possible in the material universe to create them. But God set them out there. That's what we may find. Now, mind you, we may find that according to the laws of the universe... um, stars were formed, that God worked according to His own laws that He set up to form those stars. But we may find that He convoluted His own laws and set two trillion galaxies full of billions and billions and billions of stars out there just to show us that He is the lawmaker. That He's not subject to the laws. He makes the laws. He defines the laws. And he'll convolute them at will, even on the 
the level of two trillion galaxies, if he wills. Isaiah 44, 24 says, Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Lord, your Redeemer, and he who formed you from the womb. So that's very personal. The Lord, your Redeemer, who redeems your soul, who purchases your soul with the blood of the Lamb. Thus says your Lord, your Redeemer, and He who formed you from the womb. He, he's the Redeemer, and He formed you from the womb. So God didn't just create initially. And mind you, every, every conceived child is not a special creation, but God authored that life. God works within the laws that He set up, right? The physiological laws He set up. He works within that. There are no accidental human beings. Not one accidental human being is conceived. They're all conceived according to the plan of God, according to the timing of God. Despite the timing or planning of men and women, every child is conceived according to God's plan. Thus thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, and He who formed you from the womb, very personally, I am the Lord who makes all things who stretches out the heavens all alone, who spreads abroad the earth by myself. I don't think I'm going to have time, saints, but if I had the time, I could probably preach a whole sermon about God stretching out the heavens from the Scriptures and then also from what we're actually observing, right? And there are those that argue from their atheistic, naturalistic, materialistic worldview that the heavens stretching out and the red light shift and the, the fact that the speed of light you know, takes a certain amount of time to get here demands a multi-billion-year-old cosmos. Oh, but saints, that's not true at all. That's not true at all. One, God could have created it this way with the light here according to His own plan. Or two, we don't know how time works exactly. And if you want to you stretch your mind, do a little research on time and how gravity bends it. What is that? And how now they're thinking the speed of light isn't a constant, that it does change and has changed. It's slowing down. It seems to be, some surmise, under the effects of the very laws of entropy that the rest of the universe is under. So they don't know, in other words. They don't know exactly how long it would take the light to get here from these now distant stars. Yeah, they're way out there right now, but they don't know. But here's the other thing with the heavens being stretched out by the hand of God, is that that's also a problem for them. Because what they should find are cold and hot spots all over the cosmos. But there's this background radiation that ultimately has the entire cosmos at the same temperature, which is a massive problem for them. And so, yeah, starlight problem, yeah, there is a problem. It's their problem, not our problem. It's their problem. And I haven't begun to explain that. You'd have to go further to research. I just don't have the time. But the cosmic background radiation problem is their problem with billions of years. It's not our problem. It's not our problem. It's similar to the problem of our own planets in, a, in our own solar system still being hot, still having hot cores. Our own planets, our own solar system still having these, these magnetic fields that long ago, billions of years ago, should have dissipated. It's similar to those problems that they have not us. Isaiah 44, 24, the Lord is introducing himself. Hi, I'm God, your Redeemer, and he who formed you from the womb. Not a God who is transcendent, but a God who is near. He is near. He's a personal God. He would be known as our Redeemer and the one who formed us from the womb. And as 
The Lord who makes all things. He's the Lord. You can't, you can't truncate God. You can't try to introduce people to Jesus Christ who is not the Redeemer who also created them in the womb, who also made all things, who also stretched out the heavens all alone, who also spread abroad the earth by Himself. That's our God. That's our God. The God who made the stars also. Two trillion at least and counting two trillion maybe 10 trillion galaxies worth of stars also that's our god the god who also knit us together in the womb the god who also would be our redeemer if we'll repent and confess christ as lord that's our god isaiah forty-four twenty-five says to whom then will you liken me god asking man who would you liken me to Or to whom shall I be equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these things, who brings out their host by number. He calls them all by name. By the greatness of His might, by the strength of His power, not one is missing. The Lord created them. The Lord sustains them until He allow some of them to be snuffed out, just like the sparrows. Not a sparrow falls to the ground. Saints, not a star is snuffed out in God's cosmos. Not a star amongst the two trillion galaxies and the hundred billion to four hundred billion stars in each of those two trillion galaxies. Not a star is snuffed out, except the Lord did not allow it. Not one is missing. See who has created these things, who brings out their host by Number And again, the numbers we're just beginning to try to wrap our minds around. And oh yeah, as of 2016, little note in astronomy, um, the cosmos is 10 times, at least 10 times bigger than we thought, guys. That's just a little note in the astronomy field of science. <laughs> it's massive. It should be so humbling. You know, there, there should have been a year of silence, you know, sackcloth and ash in the field of astronomy. All too often, astronomy is more akin to astrology, saints, (laughs) than it is a science. He created them. He brings them out by their number. And He calls them all by name. Jeremiah 31, 31. What do you find in Jeremiah 31? The New Covenant The new covenant. I couldn't leave out this connection with the God who created the stars also. And the new covenant. Jeremiah 31, 31. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. And if you're not aware of the new covenant, it is with the house of Israel, it is with the house of Judah, but we have been grafted into that house through Jesus Christ, our Jewish King, High Priest, and Savior. Fully God, fully man. He is the new covenant. His blood is the new covenant. His life, death, burial, and resurrection, the new covenant. His blood ratified the new covenant. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will make, or when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel, with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant which they broke, Though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. But this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. 
No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them, even to the greatest of them, says the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin. I will remember no more. Thus says the Lord, who gives the sun for a light by day, the ordinances of the moon and the stars for a light by night. So the Lord declares His new covenant in all of its merciful magnificence, how He's going to write the law of God upon our hearts, how He's going to give us a new heart, how we're going to be His people, He our God, and we shall know Him in a personal way, He our Redeemer, we His people. And then He says, Thus says the Lord. This is a statement to His credibility. This is a statement as to the certainty of this new covenant being sealed, this new covenant coming to pass, this new covenant never being broken. Thus says the Lord, who gives the sun for a light by day, the ordinances of the moon and the stars for a light by night. Who disturbs the sea and its waves roar, the Lord of hosts is His name. If those ordinances depart from before me, says the Lord, then the seed of Israel shall also cease from being a nation before me forever. Thus says the Lord, if the heaven above can be measured and the foundations of the earth searched out beneath, I will also cast off all the seed of Israel for all that they have done, says the Lord. And so the Lord makes His promise certain by standing upon the creative act, and His glory everywhere evident in His creation. The sun by day, the ordinances of the moon and the stars for a light by night. And He says, if those things can pass, if those things, through your naturalistic, materialistic, pseudoscientific ponderings can pass away, then this covenant can be broken also. Oh, saints, God has staked His credibility and the credibility of the new covenant, the credibility of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the shed blood of the Lamb upon the truth of Genesis chapter 1. And in particular, day 4, verse 16, the creation of the sun and the moon and the stars also. This is not negotiable truth. Here, every Christian stands. Let's pray.